Let's take our Bibles. Take your Bible and turn to the fourth book of the Bible, which is the book of Numbers. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Fourth, Ray mentioned 66 books. This is number four. Please turn to Numbers chapter 23. Numbers chapter 23. Title this morning is Merry Christmas with Love from Balaam. Numbers 23, if you're physically able, let's stand for prayer. And after we pray, we will read this. I will read it for us. Would you bow with me? We'll even take a brief moment of silence if you can pray as well. How can a young man keep his way pure? by guarding it according to your word. The Lord, we, your people, call you Father through our Lord Jesus Christ and in the Holy Spirit. You are one God in three persons. We come now to your word. We have opened our Bibles and we pray that you would open to us your word. Lord, we need your help. Even as this passage says, how can a young man keep his way pure? We pray, Lord, on a big picture, on a macro level, Lord, we pray for the purity of this, your church. Lord, we pray for the purity of Crossway Church. We pray through your supernatural enabling and help for the unity of this, your church, Crossway Church of Goldsboro. Help us to say with the psalmist. Help us to likewise say, with my whole heart I seek you. Let us not wander from your commandments. Help us to be able to say that we have stored up your word in our hearts, even lamentations that we were singing this morning, so that we might not sin against you. Oh Lord, help us, we do pray. Help us through the Holy Spirit. All is vain. Unless we have your help. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. Hopefully your copy of Scripture is open to Numbers chapter 23. Numbers 23. Again, the title is Merry Christmas with Love from Balaam. Would you pay careful and close attention now to the reading of God's Word? Numbers 23, beginning in verse 1. And Balaam said to Balak, Build for me here seven altars, and prepare for me here seven bulls and seven rams. 
Numbers 23.2, Balak did as Balaam had said, and Balak and Balaam offered on each altar a bull and a ram. And Balaam said to Balak, Stand beside your burnt offering and I will go. Perhaps the Lord will come to meet me, and whatever he shows me I will tell you. And he went to a bare height, and God met Balaam. And Balaam said to him, I have arranged the seven altars, and I have offered on each altar a bull and a ram. And the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth and said, Return to Balak, and thus you shall speak. And he returned to him, and behold, he and all the princes of Moab were standing beside his burnt offering. And Balaam took up his discourse and said, From Aram, Balak has brought me. Aram or Aram, the king of Moab from the eastern mountains. Come, curse Jacob for me, and come denounce Israel. How can I curse whom God has not cursed? How can I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? From the top of the crags, this is Numbers 23, verse 9. From the top of the crags I see him, from the hills I behold him. Behold a people dwelling alone and not counting itself among the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob or number the fourth part of Israel? Let me die the death of the upright and let my end be like his. And then verses 11 and 12. And Balak said to Balaam, Why have you, What have you done to me? I took you to curse my enemies and behold, you have done nothing but bless them. And he answered and said, must I not take care to speak what the Lord puts in my mouth? You see what he said there at the end of verse 12? That's a great statement. That's my prayer as well with the Lord's help. We only can speak what we have been given, which in this case today is Scripture. Numbers 23, why in the world would we be looking at this on the Sunday before, well, it's two Sundays before Christmas, but the Sunday before what we might call Christmas Sunday. And the reason is, although we don't make a very formal to-do about Advent here at Crossway, we don't necessarily always do the Advent candles, but it is the season of Advents. And Advent, as you know, simply means coming or arrival. In fact, the season of Advent is a great time to focus on what we call the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We here today on, on this side of the cross focus on the fact that he is still yet to come, even as we also remember that he has come. So the reason that we're looking at this passage is because this is actually an appropriate passage to look in the season of Advent, not least because if you were to keep reading in chapter 24, we do have later on what I would call an Old Testament Christmas passage. Later on in chapter 24, an Old Testament Christmas passage. Let me ask you a question. You're here this morning. You're a member. You're a regular attender. You're a visitor. We're glad you're here. You know the true meaning of Christmas. Let me give it to you. The true meaning of Christmas. Here's one. 
But when the fullness of time had come, this is Galatians 4, you don't have to turn there. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. That's Galatians 4, 4 and 5. And he goes on to say, And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. The meaning of Christmas is the word incarnation, Galatians 4, 4 through 5. Here's another one. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John 1.14 Well, we're looking at this passage because of Advent. By the way, if you want to know, this is really beautiful. It's really, you could take a quick glance if you want to at chapter 24 as to why we're looking at this. Chapter 24, verse 17, Numbers 24, 17. It says, and we won't look at this today. It says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down all the sons of Sheth. Edom shall be dispossessed. Seir also, his enemies shall be dispossessed. Israel is doing valiantly. And one from Jacob shall exercise dominion and destroy the survivor, survivors of cities. So now you get a little bit more of a glimpse as to why this is an appropriate passage for Advent. All right, are you ready? We're thinking about Balaam this morning. Even though at the end of the day, listen, he, he's a prominent human player in this drama, but at the end of the day, the main characters are God, Israel, and Israel's Messiah. But let's think for a bit about Balaam. Think with me about this man named Balaam. And you may not know anything about Balaam or Balak, but we'll try to learn a bit. Number one, number one this morning is this. Balaam pronounced a blessing over Israel when Balak hired him to curse them. Okay, that's number one. Balaam pronounced a blessing over Israel when Balak hired Balaam to curse them. That's what we read a few minutes ago in Numbers chapter 23, verses 1 through 12. Balak is the king of Moab. Neither one of these guys are, are part of God's people, okay? Just want to make sure we get the basics. Balaam and Balak. Neither one of them belongs to Israel, Balak, or Balak, is the king of Moab. God, listen to me, God has saved his people, but the same thing that's true today, when God saves his people, he doesn't just leave us. He redeems us, he saves his people, and he brings us into all kinds of goodness through the Holy Spirit. In their case, they're on the march to the promised land. So God has saved his people, and Balak, the king of Moab, is worried, and so he hires Balaam to speak a curse against Israel, but Balaam ends up blessing them. That's point number one, and we're done with point number one. 
Because I want to focus mostly on what comes before. So, look with me now, and we'll begin in just a moment, in just a minute, we'll begin in 22-22. 22-22. Point number one. We've already looked at it. Chapter 23, Balaam pronounced a blessing over Israel when Balak bribed him or hired him to curse them. Point number two, boys and girls of all ages, Balaam had a talking donkey. Point number two, Balaam had a talking donkey. So we need to move on, which means I need to get something out of the way so that we can move on. Donkey. Hi, princess. Princess Fiona. It speaks. Shrek. Yes, it's getting him to shut up. That's the real trick. I haven't been watching Shrek recently. I was reading about this passage, and this guy makes the good point that the younger generation, when you bring up a talking donkey, the younger generation's mind will go to a certain place. I hope we can move on and get past that. Pastor James loves that movie, but (laughs) besides that, let's move on. And seriously, let's, let's give attention to the Word of God. You may know this story. We think we've already thought about the contemporary version. It's not the contemporary version. This is point number two. We're thinking about this man, Balaam. Balak is the king of Moab. Balaam is a prophet. He's not a biblical prophet. He is a, he's a seer. He's a seer. He, he dabbles in things that scripture forbids. And, uh, and he's paid money to do, to, he's paid money to, to bless or to curse. And, and Balak, king of Moab, is, is, listen, he's scared. He's fearful because the people of Israel are massive. You with me? There, that you can't count the people of Israel. And so he's, he's scared that his people are going to be obliterated. He says, Balaam, I can, I can pay you handsomely. I can pay you handsomely if you will come and save me from a military battle if you will just curse the Israelites. And then we could just go in and rout them. Balaam is a seer. He's a, he's a magic man. Numbers 22, 22. But God's anger was kindled because he went. Which is to say because Numbers 22, 22, because Balaam went with the delegation that Balak had sent. Remember, Balak said, I'll give you a lot of silver and gold. Come curse the Israelites. God's anger was kindled because he went. And the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as his adversary. Notice the great repetition in this passage of the angel of the Lord. We're still in Numbers 22, 22. Now he was riding on the donkey and his two servants were with him. And the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. And the donkey turned aside out of the road and went into the field. And Balaam struck the donkey to turn her into the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyards with a wall on either side. 
And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed against the wall and pressed Balaam's foot against the wall. So he struck her again. Verse 26. Then the angel of the Lord went ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. Are you following along? This is a fantastic story. And Balaam's anger was kindled, and he struck the donkey with his staff. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and she said to Balaam, What have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? And Balaam said to the donkey, You made a fool of me. I wish I had a sword in my hand, for then I would kill you. And the donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your donkey, on which you have ridden all your life long to this day? Isn't this wonderful? Is it my habit to treat you this way? And he said, No. Pause right there. The, uh, the irony in this story, the, uh, the, the literary techniques, it's a wonderful story. It's a child story, but it's more than that. As I said earlier, this is a story about God and about Israel. And ultimately, as we already glanced, it's a story about Israel's Messiah. Uh, this is a story about how a, a pagan king, Balak, king of Moab, basically bribes or tries to bribe a pagan seer, listen, who can't see. What did we just notice in what we just read there in Numbers 22 through 30? There is one who did see, and it was the donkey. The one who didn't see was the seer. The one who did have some magical ability could not even control his own donkey, and he could not see what? The angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord. It's ironic. Look again at verse 30. The donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your donkey which you have ridden all your life long to this day? Uh, just in uh, Wednesday nights recently, we've been doing this study, um, resolving everyday conflict. And, and just this past Wednesday, we, we were learning about this man who uh, had, his, had his locks changed on his doors, and the, and the guy did a very poor job, so he went into the locksmith's uh, place of business, and there were people gathered around, and he said, here's my opportunity. This, this apprentice did such a terrible job. There's customers around. I'm going to let the owner have it. And we read and we learned about how he just unleashed his anger. And we read here about Balaam, about how he's striking the donkey. And I think he's just probably saying, well, well, Jiminy Cricket, I wish you wouldn't do this. I think he's got some choice words for his donkey. We are... Um, we're taking a Christmas offering this season, and all the uh, all the proceeds are going to PETA, which is not true. But the People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, PETA, according to their website, is the largest animal rights organization in the world. And PETA entities have more than nine million members and supporters globally. PETA, if you didn't know, opposes 
speciesism. They oppose a human supremacist worldview. So if you have a human supremacist worldview, watch out for the PETA representatives. And it focuses its attention on the four areas in which the largest numbers of animals suffer the most intensely for the longest periods of time, which would be in laboratories, in the food industry, in the clothing trade, and in the entertainment business. We also work on a variety of other issues, including the cruel killing of rodents, which I did last night in my house. Um, it's a true story. Birds and other animals who are often considered pests. Um, I'm not a huge fan of American roaches. I trust you aren't as well. The question has long befuddled Hebrew scholars, what would Peter do with Balaam in this story? As Balaam is repeatedly, he's, he's hitting his donkey. Is the donkey a boy or a girl? It's a she, right? He's hitting his donkey. We read, as the story goes on, he takes his staff. And the climax, there's three times, right? The first time, the donkey goes, veers off into the field, get over into the right path. The next time, uh, if you've ever had a foot or an ankle injury, the next time it's in a narrow pathway and the donkey ends up kind of crushing Balaam's foot because the angel of the Lord is in front of him. And the donkey alone can see it. And Balaam, the seer, can't see it. And then finally, there's in a place where the donkey has no recourse whatsoever, and so the donkey just slumps down, and Balaam gets his staff and whacks the donkey, and then comes the interchange. But as we begin reading in verse 31 now, as we begin in just a minute reading in verse 31, we're going to see this. We're going to see Balaam acknowledge that he was wrong. We're going to see Balaam acknowledge that he was wrong. You see, Balaam has been driven by greed. He's been thinking about the promise of silver and gold if he would curse God's people. But the truth, if you get nothing else, the truth that we must see in all of this, back then and today, listen to me, is that through Jesus Christ, God is determined to bless His people and never curse them. The truth in all of this, and especially today, especially for the church today, is that through Jesus Christ, God is determined, and if God is determined, God is determined to bless His people even in spite of our sin. Even in spite of our sin, God is determined to bless His people and never curse them. As we read earlier, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No amount of silver or gold from a pagan king can cause God's people to be cursed. Because all of this goes back to Abraham and the promises that God made to Abraham and to his seed or to his offspring. Who is the seed singular of Abraham? It is Messiah Jesus Christ. All of the promises of God in this passage, most particularly made to Abraham, it's unbelievable if you study this, how many of these things belong to Genesis 12, the promises to Abraham, land, numerous descendants, God purposed to bless his people, and no pagan seer was going to change that. And the same is true today. And so what we're about to read, as I just said, I know I got off track, is that 
Balaam acknowledges his wrong. Listen, Balaam says, I did wrong, I sinned. Look at verse 31. Look at Numbers 22, 31. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam. What did he just do? He had just opened the mouth of the donkey. And now he opens the eyes of Balaam. Friend, we need our eyes opened by the Lord. The Lord opened the eyes of Balaam and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way for the first time, right? With his drawn sword in his hand and he bowed down and fell on his face. That would be appropriate. Numbers twenty-two, thirty-two. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out to oppose you because your way is perverse before me. Sorry, I will pause again and say maybe there's someone here this morning whose way is whose way is perverse or you could say crooked before the Lord. Friend, today is the day of salvation. You need to repent of your sin. He said, the angel of the Lord says to Balaam, I've come out to oppose you. Your way is perverse before me. Verse 33, the donkey saw me and turned aside before me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, surely just now I would have killed you and let her live. That's a good donkey. Then Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. For I did not know that you stood in the road against me. Now, therefore, if it is evil in your sight, I will turn back. Let me ask you a question. Is that a good thing, what he said in verse 34? Think about this. Think about it. Don't answer out loud. Balaam said to the angel of the Lord in verse 34, I have sinned. Is that a good thing? Well, in one sense, of course it's a good thing. It's the ABCs. It's something that none of us can say unless God moves us to a place of recognizing our sin. Do you know yourself to be a sinner? I ask you another question though. Is that enough? Is that sufficient what he said? When he said, I have sinned. It's good. Is it sufficient? Verse 35. And the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, Go with the men, but speak only the word that I tell you. So Balaam went on with the princes of Balak. When Balak heard that Balaam had come, he went out to meet him at the city of Moab on the border formed by the Arnon at the extremity of the border. And Balak said to Balaam, Did I not send you to call you? Why did you not come to me? Am I not able to honor you? Hey man, I've got deep pockets. What took you so long? Balaam said to Balak, verse 38, Behold, I have come to you. Have I now any power of my own to speak anything? The word that God puts in my mouth, that must I speak. Then Balaam went with Balak and they came to Kiriath-Hazoth. And Balak sacrificed oxen and sheep and sent for Balaam and for the princes who were with him. And in the morning, Balak took Balaam and brought him up to Bamoth Baal. And from there he saw a fraction of the people. Number one, Balaam, Balaam pronounced a blessing over Israel when Balak hired him to curse them. Number two, Balaam had a talking donkey. Let me share with you for a moment here something from Ian Duguid. This is a man who wrote a book that the, that the men here studied uh, several years ago. 
Listen carefully to what he says. He's talking about the donkey, the donkey saw, and the seer didn't see. It is still often the case that the Lord reveals himself to the weak and the foolish, while remaining hidden from those who possess the wisdom of this world. Those who were blind receive sight, while those who claim to see are left in the dark. He goes on to say, he he says, I'm an Old Testament scholar. He says, I work with people that blow my mind, my fellow Old Testament scholars, men and women. He says, I listen to their lectures. I read their books. He says, I'm blown away. He, He says, they are like racehorses when it comes to their knowledge of the Bible and the Hebrew language. The, the Old Testament is written primarily in Hebrew. He said, these people that I work with, I go to their lectures, they're, they're like racehorses. He says, I'm like, a, I'm like a donkey when it comes to them. And I don't think he's being modest. I, I know just a little bit of that world. And, and it's, a, it's a weird world, this world of, of, of academia. He says, but these scholars who are like racehorses, he says, I learn from them. He said, I learn from them about the Bible and about the Hebrew language. But he says, many times they know no more of the gospel than a five-year-old who may actually understand the gospel. Many times these, these scholars, these theologians, he says, they, 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 they miss the most simple thing in the Bible, which is Jesus and the gospel. For all of their learning, for all of their erudition, they miss the gospel. And so he says this, listen, He says the supreme blessing in this world is coming to recognize who God is and how to find salvation in His Son. It comes as a free gift to those whose eyes He opens and whose hearts He touches with His grace. The work of His Spirit brings one to faith while another is left in unbelief. Not because the one has greater merit than the other, but simply out of unconditional sovereign grace. The Lord chose Israel to be his people and left Balaam to his preferred darkness. Did you hear that? The Lord chose Israel to be his people and left Balaam to his preferred darkness, though neither had any claim on him. That's a long quote, but listen to his last sentence. Donkeys like us get to see and know the Lord while professional prophets remain blind. What about you this morning? What about you? The Bible says, Paul writes, and as Ray said this morning, Paul's one of those 66 book authors, which ultimately comes from the very mouth of God. You can trust the Word of God because it comes from God, and God's character is sure. He does not lie. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 30 and 31 says that God chose not many who were wise, not many who were rich, Not many who were according to the standards of this world, but God chose the foolish and God chose the weak. And it's not actually a big deal. It's not something, oh, wow, look at this passage. God speaks through a donkey. That's actually not a big deal for the God of the Bible. It's the seer. It's Balaam who didn't see. It's the the professional theologians. And there's hundreds, if not thousands of them, who actually earn their living by studying the Bible. And studying the Hebrew language, they're so close to wonderful things. They're so close to wonderful things, but they don't know the gospel. Their their eyes are blinded. Their their hearts are hard. And what about you this morning? What about you? You you come to church, but do we 
Do we have soft hearts and eyes that are open by the sheer, sovereign, wonderful grace of God? We, as he says it so well here, listen, donkeys like us get to see and know the Lord while professional prophets remain blind. Well, there is a third point, a third and final this morning. Number one, Balaam pronounced a blessing over Israel when Balak hired him to curse them. Balaam had a talking donkey. And number three, we notice Balaam in the New Testament. Now look at this with me again. Chapter 22, look at the text. At the end of chapter 22, beginning in verse 36, Balak says, basically, I think what he's saying is, hey man, what took you so long? I'm getting really impatient here. I'm ready to pay you a nice dowry. And here you've been lingering. What have you been doing? We're ready to, listen, I'm ready for you to curse the people of Israel. And what did Balaam say in verse 38? I have come to you. And he said these wonderful words, which are so instructive for all of us. Have I now any power of my own to speak anything? So my question, what do you, what do you think of this? What do you make of Balaam? What do you make of Balaam? Seems like a good guy now, right? He says in 38, have I now any power? The word that God puts in my mouth I must speak. In verse 34, he says, I have sinned. Listen, let this be a warning to us. It is good to say, I have sinned. It is not sufficient. Balaam in the New Testament. You don't have to turn there. If you want to, that's fine. Or you can just just listen. Balaam in the New Testament, very quickly. It's in three places, and it's all near the end of the Bible. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 15 says this. Listen to this. He's talking about false teachers in 2 Peter. Forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved gain from wrongdoing, but was rebuked for his own transgression. This is the New Testament commentary on our story. He was rebuked for his own transgression. A speechless donkey, a speechless donkey spoke with human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. By the way, when we say Balaam had a talking donkey, that's not technically true. God opened the donkey's mouth. Balaam didn't have a talking donkey. God opened the donkey's mouth. God opened the seer's eyes. If you were listening carefully at all, what do you make of Balaam now with the Bible's own commentary on our story? As Peter talks about false teachers, he says, listen again, they have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved gain from wrongdoing. Jude 11. Again, you can just listen. Jude 11. Again, he's talking about false teachers. Woe to them, for they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error and perished in Korah's rebellion. Hey, by the way, do you know what Cain, Balaam, and Korah all have in common? Jude 11. Not one of them was content with their station in life, so they rebelled against God. That's a lesson for us. Not one of them was content with their station in life, so they rebelled against God. And often hand in hand with that goes greed. 
What do you make of Balaam now? Dear friend, I'm telling you, it it is a wonderful thing to say, I have sinned. It's a better thing to say, I am a sinner. But you still have not gone far enough. We must repent of our sins. We must turn from our sin and trust in God and cast ourselves upon the mercy of God through Jesus Christ who lived a perfect life, who went to the cross and bled for sinners like us, who rose from the dead, who is coming again. His blood and His alone atones for everyone who will ever repent and believe. And then finally, you've got 2 Peter 2, you've got Jude 11, and then you've got Revelation chapter 2. Stay with me here. Revelation chapter 2. Listen, you know these seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3? Well, the third church is Pergamum, and he says this. He says, I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel so that they might eat food sacrificed to idols and practice sexual immorality. What does that mean? Well, you just have to keep reading in Numbers and Deuteronomy the story of Balaam and Balak. And Balaam wanted money. He was greedy. He said, I'll curse the people of Israel. But God said, no. God is determined to bless His people through Jesus Christ and never curse them. Friend, praise the Lord today. Praise the Lord because God is determined if you are in Christ to bless us and never to curse us. But as the story goes, if you just keep reading, Balaam said, well, I couldn't curse them. Chapter 23, I tried four times. So let me give you some advice, Balak. Take some of your Moabite women and seduce the people of Israel. And Israel was responsible for their wickedness because they committed sexual immorality and spiritual immorality with the people of Moab, but the human instrument was Balaam. Balak couldn't curse them, but here's what you should do. Seduce them with your women. Bring them to your pagan gods. You know, it's been said, that the only thing that we have to fear as the people of God is not things out there. It's it's internal. It's our own sin. God came against His own people, Israel. God came against them because of their sin against Him. We have nothing to fear because God is for us. If God is for us, who can be against us? But let us beware of our own proclivity to sin as we see clearly here at the end of the Old Testament. I'll leave you with this. I found great encouragement and much more could be said and much more will be said as we think about this Christmas prophecy. Merry Christmas with love from Balaam. I leave you with this and I thank you for your patience this morning. This whole thing started because King Balak of Moab was filled with fear and terror. And he didn't even need to be because God had said, go around Moab. And as one man points out, so much of our fear and anxiety is just so, listen to me, so unfounded. I'm speaking to you from massive amounts of personal experience, of unfounded, unwarranted fear and anxiety. And just like King the king of Moab, he actually didn't even need to worry about it. Because God had said, Moses, go, go around Moab. Don't, don't attack them. 
Spurgeon says this. Better to close with Spurgeon's words than mine. Spurgeon used to say, here at Christmas, anxiety does nothing to rob tomorrow of its sorrows. It only robs today of its strength. Anxiety does nothing to rob tomorrow of its sorrows. It only robs today of its strength. We have something to learn from Balak, this man says. So much anxiety is wasted emotional energy and unnecessary mental torture. We need to recall what Jesus said about the tyranny of worry in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus teaches us in this Christmas season, don't be like Balak, don't worry. But then the best thing that Jesus does is that he was born to die for chronic warriors, for chronic people who are bound by fear. From our fears and sins, release us. That's what he did through shedding his blood on the cross for everyone who will ever repent of their sin and believe in him through the good news that we call the gospel. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the true story, the true story of a talking donkey. But we immediately acknowledge that this was not a talking donkey. This was a donkey whose mouth you opened sovereignly. And we thank you that you are the God who opens eyes. Your word is clear that you did not set your love upon Israel because of Israel's goodness. And we, even right now, Father, as your people called Crossway Church, we confess that we are your people, we are saints, and we also confess that we sin daily in word and deed. And we pray even right now, Father, have mercy upon us. We thank you for the cross of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the atonement. We thank you that Jesus' blood speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. We thank you for the commentary that your Bible gives us about Balaam. And we thank you for the very clear warnings that we get three times at the end of the Bible to warn us against sexual immorality and against greed. Lord, help us even this Christmas season to praise your Christ for his resurrection and for the hope that we have in your word. Thank you, O God, that you do not lie, that you are not like man. Help us to put our trust in you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.